You're listening to the Ideal Life Club podcast, episode 74. Welcome to the Ideal Life Club podcast, where it's all about fast-tracking your ideal business and life with more clarity, courage, and consistency. Join your host, business coach, and author of the Happiness Habits Transformation, Michelle Reeves, for inspiration, interviews, and practical tips to finally claim success on your terms. friends, Michelle here and welcome back to the Ideal Life Club podcast. So failure, what happens when I say that word? I'm guessing you feel it way deep down in your gut because it's something that everyone who's a business owner has experienced from one time to another. Can you relate? I know I can. But how we come back from failure is what separates the most successful entrepreneurs. And today's guest on the show is a fantastic example of that. Kristen Molinar went from making $5,000 over 14 months as a VA to launching her agency, Yes Boss, and bringing in $100,000 in just 10 months. She's on a mission to work less and make more and to help limit overwhelm for entrepreneurs. In our conversation today, Kristen shares so many great strategies and tips, including how to create a simple business versus a complex business, the importance of niching, why resilience often comes in hindsight and what she's learned from failing, focusing on essentials from marketing to monetization, aligning with your zone of genius and the power of automation and delegation and how to combine them to create a positive ROI for every member of your team. Grab your journal and get ready to burn out some notes because this episode was a goodie. But before we get started, have you ever wondered what it might be like to have a podcast just like this one to promote your business? If you have, you might also have put it off because you're not sure how to get started. If so, then the free trial of my online program, Practical Podcasting for Beginners, is for you. In fact, one of my students launched into the top 100 on iTunes in her niche and went from podcast newbie to podcast pro. There are step-by-step videos covering all aspects of creating and launching your podcast, plus access to me for help and support when you need it, even if technology isn't your BFF. What could a podcast do for your business? Find out more and start your free trial with no credit card required at michellereescoaching.com forward slash podcast free. Okay, back to today's show and my chat with Kristen Molinar. Enjoy! Hey guys, it's Michelle here and I'm really excited today because we have another female founder on the show. Can't wait to get into her journey. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things that I know are going to resonate with you. So welcome to the show, Kristen Molinar. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, great to have you on the show. So Kristen, you are the founder of Yes Boss, and you can tell us a bit about that. Why don't you kick off with your journey? Because you haven't always run sort of an agency type business, have you? No, I have not. You know, I got started actually in the virtual assistant industry after 14 solid months of entrepreneurial strength. Uh, failure is what I would call it. You know, I was really struggling, made only $5,000 in that first 14 months was living, you know, I was living with my in-laws. It was, 
it was a big struggle. Um, and I needed to find something where I could make a bit more predictable income, but not sacrifice my freedom. So I looked at the virtual assistant world and, um, I quickly realized that I could grow an agency out of that. So I think that I just wasn't able to take off my desire for entrepreneurship and the way that I was thinking and strategizing. So I quickly grew that into an agency. Um, and so what happened is in 2018, I went to a, my agency had already been established, but I went to a conference at that point. And I realized that I was sitting in the room with a bunch of people that were being told from the stage that they needed to start doing online summits in order to grow their email list. And I had been trying to figure out like, how can I make my agency more effective, more you know efficient? Essentially, I was looking for a niche. I don't know that I knew that terminology at the time, but so I realized I was sitting in the room with all these people that needed a service that I could offer. So I started telling everybody at that conference, I run a virtual assistant agency that specializes in online summits. And what proceeded to happen is I had my first $100,000 year. We made $100,000 in 10 months from niching down because before then we had been doing just, I had been doing whatever anybody wanted to give me. I just needed to make some money, right? I was desperate. So that was when we found our first niche and I found and discovered the power of a niche. But what I also discovered was the power of not one-on-one selling, but one-to-many selling in that every person that I connected with at that event, I was focused on providing value to that relationship. And then they became a huge referral source for me. So it wasn't like I was doing webinars in the one-to-many, but it was based on fostering those relationships. So fast forward a couple years, ultimately I didn't love the online summit industry. I didn't like that we were dealing with such tight deadlines and stressed out clients and it was, you know, short packages. We were one and done, didn't like those things. So that's fine. So we started widening our services a little bit again. And my, my agency was running very well. It was very self-sufficient because I was very purposeful about putting people and processes, systems in place. And I then decided that I wanted to start going out and doing a little bit of speaking because I wanted to share with people the difference between a really complicated business and a simple business. And at the time I kind of had, what's my niche, what's my niche, what's my niche kind of in the background again, but I knew that I had a message to share and I really had hit on something pretty amazing amazing to this point. So I started podcast guesting. Um, admittedly, after six months of telling my team that I was going to start pod, wanted to start podcast guesting, had all the mental like doubts and um, imposter syndrome. So my team started pitching me to be on podcasts. <laughs> I owe it all to my team. So I started podcast guesting in 2019. And then what happened was about six months into this, I looked at the data and actually podcast guesting had become the best referral system for my business than anything else I had ever done. So that gets us to where we are now. So I organically kind of stumbled upon my team's power to put together a visibility marketing strategy for me. And that was podcast guesting. And all I had to do was show up and talk. So I thought, dang, this is amazing. Let's start seeing if we could do the same thing for our clients. And that's exactly what we do. My team helps our clients get visible by being on podcast episodes. Wow. Such an amazing story. I love the journey. I'm, it freaks me out that it took you such a short amount of time though, to really go from having 
a you know a, really yourself as a VA to creating a whole agency and 100k months my goodness that must have been um quite some ride to go through but it sounds like to me you have got and you said it yourself your systems and processes down to make that kind of work for you and I love this idea of a simple business versus a complex business can you speak a little bit to that and just talk a little bit about how you've created that simplicity I know you have a, a a small child how do you manage to keep that simplicity but still make progress yeah, so I, I think I want to make sure that I'm not um, giving any false illusions. I think you said 100,000 months. It wasn't 100,000 months. We did it within oh, okay. 10. Within oh, 10 I, months, I apologize. I was like, that's huge. I, I apologize. I, I was like, oh, my word. No, I don't want to give myself that much credit. So <laughs> <laughs> now, that's going to happen next year, though. That's, that's, that's going to happen next, next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that we've positioned ourselves to get there. So, you know, it's a couple things. And this is something that I used to talk about very frequently on um, podcasts. And there's a couple things. So the very first one is focusing, eliminating all non-essentials. So focusing on just essentials. And there's two categories for me when it comes to this. The very first one is what am I doing to market my business? And the second one is what am I doing to monetize my business? I think what traditionally happens is at the beginning of our entrepreneur journey where we have clearer visions than we think that we do. We have intentions for how we are going to um, offer services to our clients. We have ideas for how we're going to get our name out there. And what happens is we kind of get in the mud and let's be honest, Facebook catches wind that we're owning a business and all the gurus start giving us all of these different strategies for what we should be doing, what we could be doing. We ultimately get shiny object syndrome thinking we need to do all the things. And so every time I notice like, oh my gosh, I'm doing too many things. It's like, okay, let's go back to these basics again. How am I marketing my business and how am I monetizing my business? So we want to look at our heart. What is our heart saying? How to, what like aligns with what we're doing. And so for me, that marketing is my zone of genius. Like I'm a talker. I can show up and add value. One of the things that I noticed about myself when I was procrastinating is I would procrastinate doing the things that I wanted to do in my business and go and offer business advice to other people okay, well, there's something there. How can I turn that into marketing? Because that can be marketing if you just strategize it accurately. So that's, that is ultimately like I talk to market and my team can then take all this content, repurpose it so many different ways, but then monetization, like how are you monetizing your business and how do you keep that really simple? Admittedly, helping people become a guest on podcasts and helping them understand that visibility strategy. This is like the easiest backend business that I've ever created. Nothing else I've done has been this simple, but the cool thing about how simple it is, is I can give our clients so much value because we're not distracted by other things. So those are the two things is eliminating all non-essentials. And then the second one is automation and delegation. I I know that automation is on the minds of a lot of entrepreneurs, but I don't think that they ever take into account that you can delegate the automation. You know, sometimes people ask me what systems we use, like what technology we use in our business. I'm like, well, I can tell you, but my team operates it. Like I didn't build the systems. I'm, I can 
look at what system somebody else has created and I can edit it, but I'm not that system creator. That's just not within my wheelhouse. So I give that to other people. And then I think there's this other aspect of, you know, seeing delegation poorly. I think that when we delegate, we need to make sure that we're giving impactful things to the people that we delegate. So the people that come into our business, we need to share with them the vision for our business and give them things that are going to move the needle. So my team works on helping our clients like that. It is a straight, like they bring in profit for the money that they're doing for our clients, but also they're helping get me out there. And so that marketing that they're doing for me, I get a massive return on investment for every dollar that I put into my team. And so I'm very strategic about it in that way. And what I noticed specifically about the the delegation and making sure you've got positive ROI on everybody on your team, that's when the barriers to growth are completely eliminated. That's really, really fascinating. Um, I love the idea of eliminating all those non-essentials because don't we just get bogged down in all the doing of our businesses, particularly when we first get started out, maybe we struggle a little bit to delegate, maybe we don't have the funds to be able to do that, but it is quite easy to get used to doing all the things to the point that when you do have maybe the cash to start delegating, you just don't because you know, we have that natural inclination to just hang on to those things that we know how to do and not let them go so that we can, to your point, operate in our zone of genius, which for you is talking and speaking and and you're so great at that, you know, clearly. So love that. So really great tip there, uh, guys listening, you know, as soon as you are able to start releasing work out of, you know, your kind of to-do list and onto somebody else's, then then do that. And the second thing was around automation and 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 kind of doing that um that that delegation as well. Um interesting uh, part about making sure that everyone on your team has got a positive ROI. How do you manage that? I'm guessing it's a remote business. So how do you manage that and and how do you find kind of remote working we are as we're recording this we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic have you got any tips for how to manage a remote business so I think at the core of managing a remote team is making sure that you're as a leader you are prioritizing vision casting for your team so I know this because I've made this mistake (laughs) I will say You know, a lot of times I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, and I was this myself, that have never really worked with somebody. They've never really managed somebody. And so when we think about bringing somebody into our team, we're like writing these long lists of what they need to do. You know, they're literally taking over our list and they're accomplishing them. So essentially what you're doing is you're bringing somebody in to be a taskmaster. Well, I have found that that is the number one, like worst mistake that anybody can make Yes, the people that you bring in need to take on tasks, but if you are if you intend to bring in high performers, A players, those people are going to want to know the why behind it. They're going to want to be brought into the vision of your company. So, you've got to know what you're doing. So, for me, I want to eliminate entrepreneurial stress. I'm on a mission to myself work less and make more and we help our clients do the same thing. My team knows that. 
So when my team is doing research for podcast episodes or podcast hosts that we want to introduce our clients to, when, you know, they are working on putting together systems and building out the packages that we're going to offer our clients, it's all built around that frame of mind. So, you know, for us, we have this whole client roadmap that we just mapped out for six months that we're working with our clients. And we could have said, you know, let's add this and let's add that and let's add this other thing. But at the back of our minds, all of us knew, okay, we're teaching our clients how to work less and make more. Let's make sure that all the information we give them is short to the point, easy action. We don't want them to get bogged down in the weeds. So my whole entire team, they understand exactly what we're doing for our clients, exactly what we're building for me. And what I've noticed too, the biggest blessing from all of this is that Yes Boss, my company, is not me. It's not Kristen Molinar. Yes, I am the face of the business. Yes, I, I show up as a subject matter expert. But the reality is it's so much better. It's so much greater than what I could be because it's a collaboration of a few different people that have added to that. So I I think that too often we get so scared to pass things off, but if you invite people into the folds of your business in an appropriate way, I think that it can be a really beautiful thing. I love that. And, and it does require us to trust as well. It does. Doesn't it? You know, it does require us to trust, which can be quite tricky. And that kind of leads me on a bit to, uh, you mentioned kind of failure. Um, and it's something that's kind of really on my, on my mind at the moment. I'm reading uh, Brene Brown's Rising Strong and that whole topic of failure and how we come back from failure, you know, is, is something that's not really discussed all that much in and I, I really and you know it kind of speaks to me your whole kind of journey and how you you know you talk about failing quite quickly quite early on so how do you how did you deal with that and and how do you kind of come back strong I suppose from those kind of failures yeah um I hear other people tell me I'm resilient. And I I just want to say like in the moment, I feel anything but resilient. Like I just, I, I just want to like humanize this right now. Like I really don't feel resilient. It's only when I look back in hindsight that I go, Oh, look at those dates. Wow. (laughs) That was pretty cool. You know, that's pretty amazing that I was able to do that. Here's what I've learned. I have learned far more. I'm not even kidding. I have learned far more from my failures than I ever could my successes. 100%. Even to the point where I would say early on in my journey, I sent an email blast to um, an email list, like a sizable email list. And ultimately I made a promise that I couldn't fulfill on. And I realized that I had to maintain integrity and tell them like, Hey, I goofed here. And I was really concerned about it. Like, I was like, Oh, this is cool. I just uh, have to tell people that I'm wrong. And you know, this sucks. You know what I realized in that moment? that people can relate to that. And so I realized that my failures, when I frame them right, when I'm not talking about like berating myself because I failed, but I'm just being honest about it because look, everybody has these failures. When I'm being honest about it, it actually becomes a connection point for me. And what happens in that connection is I have the ability to show my integrity as a business owner and as just a woman. And 
if I had only been doing things perfect all along, I never would have had that opportunity. So I always make sure to do the right thing, to be honest, you know, we, we, even more recently, we ended up working with a client who had a very, very specific target market, which is great for him. But when it came to podcasting, it was like real estate in Australia, only in this, this, um, specific area. And we couldn't fulfill on it. We really struggled to find enough meaningful podcasts for him to be featured on. And so I had to go back to him and let him know, like, we've really tried here. Um, we are now getting to the point where we're looking for Hail Mary solutions. And I realized that rather than saving face and sending you Hail Mary solutions, that felt really out of integrity to me. We have to stop doing this and I need to give you a refund on your last month's work. And sending that email was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I just want to be able to push forward and just make it happen. But it wasn't what was right. And ultimately, the guy responded. He was so nice and just said, you know, no problem. But we weren't we weren't lying about it. We, we were being really honest and we were being really humble about it. And those are the opportunities that we've been able to just rise to the occasion and see even greater stuff on the other side of it. Cause now we know like, Oh, don't work with somebody, you know, make those evaluations. So we know we can hit a home run. It's really been people say fail forward, but that really is what it's been. Yeah. I, I think that is going to resonate with a lot of people and yeah, there's no shame, is there, when we're first starting out, particularly in service-based businesses, there's no shame when we're first starting out in working with some clients and then realizing, I don't want to work with those kind of clients. I mean, I know I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. And, and it speaks to this, um, this, uh, this other area I'm really interested in talking to you about, which is niching. Because I don't think you can get more niche than, than you <laughs> that you have managed to niche down to and I really love it and um talk to us a little bit about how you you know how you took that journey because I know it wasn't that wasn't your first niche so no how did that kind of come about no it wasn't my first niche but um because I had had a few different niches I knew what I was looking for you know I was looking for a way that I could let's be honest, I was looking for a way that I could bill clients monthly long-term. So that was like the first thing, because that was what we realized with, with, um, online shows is like you hit it hard and then you're gone. And that was very frustrating for me. So how can we help clients long-term? The second thing that I learned for me in doing the virtual assistant agency is how can I be more responsible for getting our clients results? Because with a virtual assistant agency, our clients were the ones dictating what we did. So we didn't have any control over any of the results or any of the work that we were doing. That was frustrating for me um, because I would see them doing things that I thought were really awful and I wasn't in a position to speak up. You know, I was the support. Well, my team was the support, so we couldn't really say anything. So we wanted to be in charge of that. Um, I have been saying that I want to eradicate entrepreneurial stress. So that was another kind of puzzle piece kind of floating out there for me. You know, I talk about work less and make more. That's another kind of piece that's floating out there for me. Um, and when I realized the results that I was getting in my business, just simply from being a podcast guest, I knew that that meant that we needed to niche in that area. But my first inclination was, well, do we need to do PR? Do we need to add in like getting blogs featured places? Do we need to add this? And I started adding all of these things in my mind. It was very scary to say, no, 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 we're just going to do podcast guesting. 
But what got me there, what helped me logically justify the decision that I made was, you know, I market in two ways. Obviously I'm a podcast guest and that's how people learn about me most of the time. I also have LinkedIn. I don't do any other social media. Those are the only two places that I hang out. I, I, you know, I've built my business to avoid the places that I don't like. So we won't even talk for me. I don't even go there for the other social media networks. And I thought in my head, how many clients would I need for this to be a really successful business for me? And to be really successful, like if we had 100 clients working with us on a month to month basis, that would be a, over $100,000 a month <laughs> for Yes Boss. And I thought, okay, do I think that I can find a hundred thousand or a hundred clients doing podcast guesting and LinkedIn only? Yeah. Yes. 100% yes. And so I think that people think that they have to go wide. They have to market in all these places. They have to go wide with all the things they offer because they have to offer all of these things. The reality is we've got to look at Really, what does it really actually take for us to get to that level of success that we want? Can we go small? Can we really just offer that thing that we know without a shadow of a doubt can be a home run when we offer it to our clients? And can we just go into those marketing strategies that we know are just going to feel in alignment and give us energy and light us up to do the rest of the things in our business? I would say, unless you're trying to build, you know, a billion dollar business, you can probably do these things on very, very simple strategies. That is such a powerful thing to, oh my goodness, just imagine that guys, not having to be on all the platforms all the time. How wonderful would that be? But it's really true, isn't it? And, and it kind of leads me on to the whole concept of a visibility strategy. And I'm really interested to tap into you and your zone of genius now around using podcast guesting as a visibility strategy. So talk to us a bit about that. Why is being a podcast guest so good? Uh, and how on earth do we decide what we're going to talk about? Mm, those are two really good questions. Okay, so we'll talk. let me tackle really quickly why it's a good strategy. I think that we all know that we need to be visible, right? I mean, let's boil it back if somebody's questioning whether they need to be visible. If nobody knows about you, nobody can hire you. <laughs> okay. But a lot of the people that I work with, my favorite kind of person to work with really is somebody that has built up a business where they get a lot of referrals, but they're not controlling the narrative of their referrals. It's typically a client referring somebody or somebody who knows you in a Facebook group that you're involved in, somebody like that uh, referring to you. And the problem with that that I have found is you're not really controlling the narrative. And to grow in our business, we have to continue to be elevating like our level of expertise and how the world sees us. So, you know, who people saw me when they thought I ran a virtual assistant agency or when I was running virtual assistant agency is they would tell, say to people like, oh, she's a virtual assistant. And I remember going, well, I mean, yeah, I run a virtual assistant agency, but I'm not a virtual assistant. And it was kind of painful for me. Like, okay, everybody keeps calling me a virtual assistant. What I realized is with a podcast guesting strategy, you control that narrative. And so you're controlling that narrative and it gives you social proof. 
It gives you credibility in a way that posting just your own content where you're in control of the content, you don't get that same credibility because, you know, there are people who listen to this podcast because they know, like, and love you, Michelle, they don't, they didn't know me. Nobody knew me, but because you are, you keep teeing up questions basically let's just cut kind of back behind the curtain. You're saying to me, Hey, Kristen, tell us why you're so smart. And then I get to show up and go, this is why I'm so smart. You know, this is giving me the opportunity to really talk about all the things that I know. And so that credibility and that visibility gets established so quickly in an environment like this, you know, what being a podcast guest has done for me. And one of the intangibles that I think people don't realize is it's boosted my confidence. So marketing has traditionally for me been something that I do behind the scenes. You know, I'm writing the content. I'm trying to figure out how to appeal to people. I'm doing a webinar and I don't know how people are going to respond to it. But when you focus on relationships, so I want to be clear there that this for me is a relationship strategy. It's not just come here to talk to you, Michelle, to reach your audience. It's about talk to you and connect with you, Michelle. Like how can I make your life easier? How can I really connect and bring value to what you're doing? When, when you do that, oftentimes what happens is you get off an episode and or off of like a recording and you continue to talk about, well, how can I add value to your business? How can you add value to my business? And you talk about like, this was really fun. I loved connecting with you. And you know what it does for me? I'm such like a words of affirmation girl. Like it just boosts my confidence and tangibly how that's looked for my business is raising our prices, increasing our minimums, um, you know, giving setup fees in the, when we had the virtual assistant agency, like I more than doubled my prices because of that confidence that came up. Like I really realized what my messaging was and how I help people. And, and I got so much validation from the people I was talking to. So, you know, get, get out there and, um, get visible, but I love this strategy because of those other like nuanced ways or benefits that it brings to the person sitting in the podcast guest seat. Okay. And you asked me a second question and I know that it had to do with, I know what my answer was, but I don't remember what the question was. (laughs) So the question was, how do you, um, know what to talk about and make it a strategic, uh, decision, what you talk about rather than just kind of having a conversation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So this to me is the biggest difference between being a profitable podcast guest and being a podcast guest who's wasting their time. So I talked to a lot of people that get invited to be guests on people's podcasts because maybe they're in like, you know, good communities and they keep getting invited. But what I don't like about that so much is that I feel like the it's well, there's two things. One, it's the guest responsibility to tee up a good episode for the podcast host. Yes, the podcast host is essentially going to guide the conversation, but there've got to be talking points so that the podcast host can see where you're going to bring value. And that's something that if you're being invited to be a guest on on a podcast, you need to make sure that there's alignment with what you want to talk about and what they want to ask you about, because you want to become known for the thing you want to become known for. You know, we have another client who's in a fitness space and she's been asked to be on tons of podcasts about business. 
And she's like, that's fantastic. I love talking about my business. I've had a lot of success in business, but really when I'm a podcast guest, it doesn't impact my business because my audience, the people I'm trying to attract are in the fitness industry. See, that's a problem. You know, you've got to, to look at talking points. So I have very specific talking points that I share with everybody that I talk to on an episode. And you know, I make sure that they know, you know, you can go anywhere with these talking points. I'm an open book. You know, I want to be able to have a conversation. I'm not going to be stiff in my talking points, but these are the things that I really know how to show up and talk about. And for the people that are a little bit nervous about showing up, I feel like this takes a lot of the nerves off the table because my rule of thumb is if you can't talk about it off the top of your head, don't talk about it. Like talk about the things that you know how to talk about. The other thing that I purpose to do is to verbally share everything that I possibly can with the host because anybody listening, like I could, I could teach you how to do what I do. And I'm not afraid of teaching you how to do what I do because I know that the most ideal clients are the people that realize I either don't have the time or the bandwidth or the desire to even do this myself. Those are the people I want to work with anyways. I don't want to attract DIYers. So I want to just show up and share everything. Like I'm a complete open book and I see no threat with that. That's so powerful because one of the things that I think um, I hear a lot, um, particularly I think from um the different students in my podcasting course, for example, is they'll say to me, I don't want to go on to an episode and share everything that is in my online course, because then they won't do the online course. But from my experience, that's not the case, because one, you know, they're not in a course taking mentality when they're listening to a podcast anyway. And two, you know, it's really just wetting their appetite because listening to something that is free, you know, psychologically, we believe, well, that's great. Now, let me go do the thing that's paid for because one, it's going to be 10 times better. And two, I trust this person now because they've given me so much value. I trust that when I go and do that course, I'm actually going to learn stuff when I am in learning mode. And also, you know, there's so many ways that you can add additional value when you are doing things like your services or whatever it is that you do in your business over and above what you're going to end up talking about on an episode. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. You know, when we were putting together our client roadmap, we took content that I had created and had been previously published and we kind of parted it out. You know, my director of ops went through and kind of established some individual talking points I was talking about. And then we populated them into a roadmap. And the crazy thing, I mean, I think this is another testament to being a podcast guest that I'm that we're hitting on here is that I had created so much content because I had talked about so many things that my team was unable to identify all these areas. And then I was able to look at all those topics. Whoops, sorry, I just hit my mic. I was unable to bring all of those topics into a roadmap for our client, which I think hits on another thing you're saying. Yes, the content's out there, but they're paying you also for the convenience. Like you're giving them step-by-step and the order. Yes, they could go back and binge all of your episodes, but they're probably not going to take action like you're talking about on the episodes and they're not going to know what order to take that action. So they're buying that convenience from you. And I, I mean- gosh, that, that's, that's really where their, their investment is worth it. So they're not getting lost in the weeds because any, 
here's the thing. Anybody could Google anything now. Like there are no secrets. There are no secrets. You know, I'm not doing something that somebody couldn't do for themselves. It's not rocket science, but people want to cut through and and cut through the, they want the shortcuts. They want to cut through all of the mistakes. So they want to work with somebody who's done that and do it, you know, in a sequential order that this expert has determined is the most effective and efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And working with an expert is going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to get you from where you are now to where you want to get to quickly. I mean, you know, as a coach, that's my job as well. I want to get people from where they are now to where they're trying to get to as quickly as possible, you know, overcoming a lot of the the issues along the way. So absolutely love that. Great tips there for um, podcast guesting. Um, And I would recommend all of those uh, things to anyone that's considering jumping on as a guest uh, for podcasts. Just going to change tact very quickly. Um, Just want to think about the habits and practices that you have as a business owner, as an agency owner that keep you productive. Because I know my listeners are always interested in how to get that little bit more out of their day. Now, you've already talked about, you know, eliminating the non-essentials, but are there any kind of personal habits and practices you have that one, keep you productive, but two, give you that balance you need, allow you to have that kind of family time or time for you, self-care? So I used to, I um, have a three-year-old and I will say that the last three years and three months of my life have not been very structured when it comes to the, to me time. So I used to start my days by going and sitting in the closet with my Bible and my journal. And I wouldn't come out until I felt it was this feeling until I felt like it was time. Well, I don't have that luxury so much anymore, though. I am trying to on the mornings when my husband, we do every other morning. So on the mornings when my husband is with our son, I'm trying to get back into that habit, but admittedly, I am really awful at it. But there is one, it's not so much like a habit or routine as it is a rule that I have for myself. It's important to me that my work, as much of my work as possible, are things that give me energy. So anybody that's a mom knows that it takes a lot of energy to parent. (laughs) And I built my business to support my life. And so what I've realized is when I do things like this, like Michelle, you and I are having a fun conversation. Like I love this. And so I can walk away from this. And if I need to, you know, go downstairs and fill my cup of coffee, I'm walking out of the room feeling like really energized by my work. And so that that's like a barometer. That's kind of like a measuring stick that I measure like, okay, am I going to do this thing in my business? Am I going to monetize my business in this way? Am I going to market my business in this way? Well, does it give me energy or does it not? And if I find that things are draining me of energy, I've, I get very serious about either giving them to somebody else or cutting them off completely. So that's kind Mm. of my like rule, not so much my daily habit, but Yeah, that's how I approach this right now. But that's such a great intention to start the day with. Um, And and for people to really maybe spend a little bit of time across their week. I mean, guys, listening to this, look at your week, look at your calendar and look at all the things that you're doing in your business. Which ones give you energy and which ones don't? Such a great practice 
to do and decide what gives you energy and, and make sure you're putting your focus in that area. Or, you know, if there's things that you have to do that maybe don't light you up, make sure that there is a, a counterbalance with things that do light you up so that you have that, you know, you have that balance between the good stuff and the stuff that sometimes we're going to have to do as business owners, let's face it. Yep. But just always like have a, a positive to a negative. I know there's things yeah. I do not enjoy doing, but you know, as long as I'm coaching every day, I'm, I'm solid. Cause that's the bit I love. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. Um, anything that you would say just to round stuff off any tips, any like one big thing that you would say to someone who is listening to us today totally inspired by wanting to get more visible in their business maybe thinking about oh could I be a guest on a podcast but they've never done it before what's like one thing that they should do to kind of kickstart that whole process yeah so something that we did it that I didn't talk about very much but I typically like rail on is that relationships are the most important thing that I have found in my business. So that's a common thread among what I've done. You know, that first hundred thousand was because I showed up and had relationships in real life. Now, what I do is I have relationships over Zoom calls, you know, during podcast episodes. Um, it's all about relationships. And so if you're at the beginning of this and you're like, yes, I understand that there's value in relationships and I want more visibility. I want to increase my confidence. I also don't want to feel like I'm the only one tooting my own horn all the time. You know, look at other people that are starting podcasts. So I think that when we're talking about like podcasting as a PR or a marketing strategy, a lot of people would say like, well, you don't want to be on a newer podcast. There's no like name credibility. There's no audience there. Like, why would I ever do that? But when you really peel it back and look at this in terms of relationships, the business owner that's starting a podcast is somebody that is incredibly ambitious incredibly motivated, probably has other things going on in their business that led them to the point where they wanted to start a podcast. So it's not as likely that this is a brand new entrepreneur because that's a big task to take on for a brand new entrepreneur. So this is a serious person. And I don't know about you, but for me, I want to meet other serious entrepreneurs. So pitch yourself to be on a newer podcast what you'll never, you never know where that relationship may take you. You know, there may be an opportunity right now for you to, it'll be on their podcast, but down the line, there may be an opportunity for you to be a guest speaker in like their mastermind or be introduced to somebody who is in charge of them speaking on stage. And maybe you get invited to speak on stage. You know, all these things that happen when you foster relationships, they're just, they prove that the podcast episode is the tip of that iceberg. And then it kind of cuts back and prove, I think that what I'm saying kind of proves to people, you don't have to be on a podcast that has tons of downloads. You just need to be connected with people that you have a same business philosophies and you feel the same about business, like leverage those relationships and always be focusing on that relationship strategy. Really fantastic tip there. And just to add to that as well, the other thing you can do, and I think all podcast guests should do, I know I do, is 
you know, take the episode, not instantly, obviously, but maybe a couple of weeks later when that podcast episode has already been promoted, I ask if I can take that and put it on my podcast because mm. I am then sharing an episode that I've been on. So it's reestablishing credibility to my audience because other people are asking me on the show, but also it allows you to share your expertise in a way that is, uh, you know, almost like you speaking on stage in an event. I tend to think of it, you know, being a podcast guest as like being on stage. So wouldn't you just love to be on stage and be sharing that with your audience, right? So why not, particularly now, as we're not able to stand on stage, why not repurpose your podcast guest episodes as you would do anything else, I suppose. But um, so that's certainly something I, I've been doing this year uh, is looking at the episodes I've been on personally and repurposing them. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you'd recommend to people too. Yeah, it's how we come up with all of our content. It's how we came up with our client roadmap. So it's how we serve our clients with education on the back end. It's how we come up with all my LinkedIn content. And the cool thing that's been highlighted for me is that my team now has my voice. So they take episodes and they transcribe them and then they pull things out of that. The other thing that it will highlight for you is maybe frequently asked questions or, or points of interest that you didn't know, because sometimes I'll be talking and I'll have a podcast host say, wait a second. And they want to dig in on something with me that I hadn't even thought about before. Like, I don't know if I would have looked at my story and gone, oh, I am pretty resilient. And, you know, I've gotten through milestones really fast. I don't know that I would have seen that, <laughs> but when you're talking to somebody else and you're having that dialogue, it highlights things in what you have to say that could absolutely and should, I, I mean, I teach my clients this, you're actually missing out on an opportunity if you're not repurposing that content. You, you've got so much just sitting there, might as well stretch it to its max capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's one of the things that I recommend about starting a podcast as well. You can repurpose that content and use it in video. You can use it as blog posts. You can use it on social media. It's all good. So, Kristen, our time is at an end. I could chat to you literally all day. So much incredible value. Guys, I think you'll agree. Lots of top tips. Do hit rewind and go and grab a pen and paper. I know a lot of you listen to this in the gym or while you're out and about. So grab uh, your journal, grab a pen and make some killer notes. As always, all the links uh, that uh, uh, Kristen will be able to share with me afterwards will be in the show notes at michellereadscoaching.com forward slash listen. In the meantime, such a pleasure to have you on the show, Kristen. Where can people find you? So if you're interested about what we do, you can check out uh, my business at yesbossva.com. And then the only place I hang out is LinkedIn. And uh, if you type in my name in the search bar, I'm the only Kristen Molinar that's that handy. pops up. It is, right? <laughs> I have my husband to thank for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, those links will be in the show notes, guys. So don't worry about that. You'll always be able to find them there. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us today, Kristen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there you have it, my interview with Kristen Molinar. Wasn't she fantastic? 
As always, you'll find all the links and details of today's show and all the other shows in this series at michellereescoaching.com forward slash listen. And hey, if you did enjoy this episode, would you do me a favor? Would you head over to iTunes and leave me a comment and a review? It really does mean that more amazing people will be able to find the show. Okay, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. In the meantime, until next time, be positive, be powerful, be productive and keep fast tracking your ideal business and life. Bye for now.